Hello everybody, welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo. My name is James Copley and I'm joined by my colleague Joe Nicholson today. Joe, how are things without the uh, the football on at the moment? Struggling yet? Uh, things are good, yeah. Um, maybe not struggling quite yet, but uh, looking forward to it coming back. But it's still another two months away, isn't it, until the season starts? Or pre-season will start a bit sooner and we'll have transfers. So um, yeah, I'll be back before you know it, won't it, I think. It is. We're on the verge of what I like to call silly season with the transfer window set to open on the 14th of June, I think it is, so not long. Um, But things seem well underway in terms of the rumour mill, and we're going to do a podcast on that, really. We're going to deliver some transfer predictions to you. A bit lighthearted, a bit tongue-in-cheek, we must throw a disclaimer out there first that... um, don't place any bets on these predictions because things can change very quickly in the January, uh, in the summer window and the January transfer window. And um, these are just sort of some early thoughts by by myself and Joe. Um, but yeah, subject to change and uh, who knows what could happen. But we'll start, Joe. I think the, the main two transfer stories involving Sunderland at the moment um, are Job Bellingham and Jack Clark. We'll, we'll come on to Job a little bit later, but... The Jack Clark exit reports, um, it's rumoured that Burnley are interested, Crystal Palace, Brentford, obviously 24 goal contributions for Jack Clark last season for Sunderland. Um, he's gone for big money before to Tottenham Hotspur. He, he's still relatively young in his early 20s. You can see why Premier League clubs are, are interested in him. Um, interestingly for me, though, I, I think that although the model at Sunderland will probably dictate that they'll sell a player at some point for big money. Sunderland aren't necessarily in a rush to do that and it would have to be for the right price. And and Sunderland are in good financial shape. They don't have to sell Jack Clark to keep the electorate on or anything like that. Um, so I think it's really interesting this little period in, in Sunderland's recent history and, and upcoming times that We'll see how good they are negotiating deals the other way. I think we've seen yeah. they're pretty good at bringing deals in, but in terms of outgoings, I don't feel like Sunderland are going to get ripped off or, or like they have to sell at the moment. Mm. I think what you're saying there with the teams being linked with him and potentially being interested in him, I think that was kind of inevitable when you look at mm. his stats because you've got a young English winger who scored, as you say, where he's had 24 goal contributions um, broken down across all competitions and so his stats really stand out for a side that have finished in the playoffs um he's obviously had as you said his big move to Tottenham a few years ago that didn't work out and I think from the player's point of view he would be very happy to stay at Sunderland and it's probably better staying at Sunderland for at least another year because he's had that move in the past from Leeds to Tottenham it hasn't worked out and now he's come back and he's in the best form of his career isn't he let's be honest um after oh, yeah. being a player with potential, he's now shown that he can be a serious player for senior football and really make an impact. And we were doing our kind of end of the season awards. We did a piece of that on the Echo website and I put him down as player of the season because I think just towards the end of the season, he's kind of not just his quality, but his durability. He was the player that started the most games, outfield player that started the most games for Sunderland. I think he only missed two league games all season or there was two league games where he didn't start, one where, where he was suspended and one where he was rested on the bench so he's had an excellent season so I think it's inevitable that teams will be looking at him but as you said Sunderland are in a strong position because they don't have to sell him also he signed a long-term deal he's not one of the players that is going to be out of contract next summer 
He's kind 2026, of years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so he's got three years left on his deal. So Sunderland are in a strong position. Obviously, if a big offer comes in, I think there's been talk about 15 million or whether that's realistic or not, whether a team would be prepared to pay that, I don't know. But if an offer did come in, that would maybe test Sunderland. But I think certainly from the player's point of view, he's happy at Sunderland. I remember speaking to him after the game at Preston, the last game of the regular season. And he was saying how grateful he is to Sunderland because the Tottenham move didn't work out. He'd had a few loan moves. He's now come to Sunderland. He's playing for a club that gets massive attendances in the championship that are now competing at the top end of the championship. And he's playing a real, really big part in that. And I think his agent as well has come out where he did mm. the last few days and said he, he's happy at Sunderland. He's, um, you see him turning up to, at the Stadium of Light with Patrick Roberts. He's very kind of friendly with him. And they, he plays golf with Roberts and Ross Stewart. So he's quite a, you know, he's integrated in the squad. There's some good bonds there. So from the player's point of view, I think he's best off staying at Sunderland. He'll be happy there. Obviously, if a big offer comes in, that will test kind of Sunderland's model and what they are prepared to accept. It is interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Jack Clark will be fully aware of the pitfalls of moving for big money at the wrong time. He's probably aware of the pitfalls of not playing regularly as well, because at the back end of last season and then this season, the first times he's he's really had like a consecutive run of games properly. And I'm talking consecutive running games in terms of 20, 30, um, which I think players need, especially young players. And he's, he's certainly managed to show his class at Sunderland. My prediction, Joe, I think I think this one is actually quite hard to predict. I don't want to sit on the fence too much with these, but um, with him being under contract for so long, that there is talk that Sunderland have actually offered him a new deal or a set to offer him a new deal, which would very much be in line with uh, Sunderland's sort of reward policy at the moment for, for their star performers. I could see him signing that and staying. Um, but on the other hand, money does talk in football. And I could also see him leaving Sunderland. But I think if he was to leave Sunderland, I think it would be for the the sort of money that we all turned around and, and said, right, OK, it's a bit of a blow to lose Clark, but that is a very good fee. What do you think? My gut feeling says he, he'll stay. Um, mm-hmm. This this summer, at least. Maybe next summer, it's a different conversation when he's got another season under his belt, if he's had another good season. I just think that the fact that he's already had that big move to Tottenham and it's not worked out, if he goes to another Premier League club and he's sitting on the bench again, whereas now he's, as we've said before, he's at Sunderland, which is a playing in front of big crowds at the Stadium of Light, a team at the top of the Championship that could easily be promoted to the Premier League next season if they get it right, because they've already shown that they've finished in the top six last season. So they'll be in a good position to hopefully challenge again next season. So would he want to leave that behind and go to a Premier League club where he's sitting on the bench and not playing regularly? It's it's very rare as well, Joe. Actually, thinking about the Ian Hart comments for those that don't know don't know former Sunderland and Leeds player Ian Hart is actually Jack Clark's agent. It's thinking about it. It's very rare for a, an agent to come out in a national mm. publication like the I newspaper as well and just go, "Oh yeah, the player's quite happy." That mm. doesn't doesn't often happen, really, especially not on the record. No, and it, it shows, as we've said before, how kind of close he is, how close knit the Sunderland group is, and he is happy at Sunderland. He's happy that he's got this kind of almost a second opportunity, but he's, as we said before, he's still very young. He's still only 22. So he's still got a lot of football ahead of him. He's playing into the best football of his career. He's at a good club. He's playing well. So I just think that at this stage of the career, if his career, he's best off at least staying another season and seeing what Sunderland can achieve next year, because you'd hope that they'd be better next season than they were this season. And mm-hmm. they finished sixth and were one of the teams competing to go up. So um, I think, yeah, as we've said, he's, he's very happy at Sunderland and he's probably better off staying. 
Yeah, I think if if he does stay, some fans need to get a song going about him because he hasn't really had one sung from the the Roker end yet, and I think he probably he probably deserves one. We'll move on to the main incoming transfer story regarding Sun at the moment is of course Job Bellingham. Um, again, another really interesting story, really interesting profile. He's only seventeen. There's there's been reports that the fee is going to be three million. Then there was the reports that that was significantly less. Um, now there's reports that it's still ongoing in terms of the dialogue between Sunderland and Birmingham City and the fee. Uh, what seems to be set in stone, though, is Joe Bellingham is willing to come due to the influence of Christian Speakman, Mike Dodds, the development plan, and then it seems that the deal between player and club. Is is done. It's just Sunderland and Birmingham City sort of thrashing things out. Um, my instinct on this is it is it goes through. Um, barring any last minute drama, I think this is very much somebody that the recruitment team have wanted long term, um, and haven't really heard of any interest elsewhere. The player seems to want to come. He was in attendance, of course, in the Luton Town playoff semi final first leg. Um, so yeah, all the noise would suggest that this one's going to sail through. Hopefully, but sometimes it's not as simple as that. Yeah, sometimes it's not as simple as that. And we've got to <laughs> also remember as well that the transfer window, as you said before, doesn't actually open until the yeah, 14th. Of um, at the minute, was it the 6th? So, yeah, yeah still, still a few days ago that actually opens. But, yeah, as you said, Sunderland seem in a strong position. He's been at the stadium to watch one of the games. You mentioned all the links with, with Birmingham, with, with Speakman, with Mike Dodds, with Stuart English, um, head of coaching. So, Sunderland seem in a very good position. Um, Speakman came out a couple of weeks ago did an interview and said that Sunderland have been tracking some of their targets for, for over a year. And I think Bellingham is one of those. I think he was at the stadium of like last year to have a look around the place or, or at the academy. So he's been a player they've been looking at for a long time. And obviously those links with Birmingham put Sunderland in a very strong position. It's interesting that Sunderland are kind of pursuing this deal rather than the Edouard Michu deal, which mm. they kind of turned, they chose not to pursue that one and chose not to, to sign Michu. Maybe they think that, well, it looks like Bellingham's got maybe more potential, particularly with his physicality, I think, maybe to grow. Um, still not quite sure what his best position is. Speaking to people at Birmingham, he's played more as a number 10 for them uh, last season. Perhaps he could turn into more of a box-to-box midfielder in the future um, with carrying the ball and that kind of athleticism that, he's, that hopefully he will have and will bring to the side. So... Um, yeah, an interesting one that some have pursued that deal because is he going to come in and be a regular starter next season? Perhaps not with Equa and Neil there forming that partnership at the end of last season. So he's still probably a player with potential. But looking at who his brother is, there's a lot of potential there, isn't there? <laughs> there is. And I think that's the thing that if we do sign Joe Bellingham, we're all going to have to bear in mind because it is an exciting signing. He's, he's, you know, he's captain of England under 18s, but he is only still 17 years old. And it takes time for these players to develop. But with the fee, with his name, with his reputation, with how keen Sutherland are to get them, it can elevate expectations sometimes. And I think what would all maybe need to, to check them maybe for, for a little bit. That Joe Bellingham edition, hopefully that happens, but that does pose an interesting question for the next player I want to talk about and his future duo is Jay Matete, obviously on loan at Plymouth Argyle in League One last season. Um he made a good impact there, but didn't start for Plymouth during the run-in towards the back end of the campaign when promotion was secured. Uh, I think his return to Sunderland probably poses an interesting question um, and it'll likely hinge on what Sunderland end up doing in the summer. 
I could see him going out on loan again or perhaps even a permanent exit. Um, obviously, Bellingham coming in. You'll have Dan Neils, Corey Evans coming back to fitness as well, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, Pierre Equar. Um, and then slightly ahead in terms of, of the formation, but you have Abdullah Barr, Alex Pritchard, Elliot Embleton. That second trio do tend to play a little bit further forward, but that, that sort of central midfield, central attacking area, it's an area of intense competition in Sunderland squad. And I like Jeremy Tete. I like, I like him having seen him play for Sunderland. I like him having seen him play for Plymouth. I think there's something there. I do just wonder that if Sunderland have perhaps accelerated this season beyond Matete, I think maybe if Sunderland have finished 15th or 16th, you can think about Matete coming back in and, and making an impact in the first team starting games. But Sunderland seem to be well ahead of the plan at the moment and expectation well, Christian Speakman outlined it is to is to push for promotion from the championship and, and the playoffs and all that. So I just wonder where Matete fits in in all of this and whether he might be might be an unfortunate casualty of Sunderland having such a good season last season. Mm. Well, here's another player he's under a long term contract, isn't he? Signed a long term deal when he signed in January last year, so he'll have a few years left on his on his contract. I think what we saw with Matete, even though he was kind of when he first came in, he produced some quite impressive performances and kind of stood out in that midfield. But we weren't really sure, is he a deep line midfielder? Is he a box-to-box midfielder? Is he someone that plays further forward? And I think we're still a little bit unsure yeah. about that because I think there's certainly a place in the squad for another holding midfielder. Yeah. You listed a few of the central midfielders there. Some of them are quite well stocked in that position. But as we saw last season, when Corey Evans got injured, there wasn't kind of a natural replacement there. And Dan Neal had to step into that role when perhaps he probably would prefer to be playing a bit further forward, um, as he had been doing the season before. So could Matete be that holding midfielder that if Evans isn't available at the start of the season, which we don't expect him to be, then could he step into that role and he'll probably get a chance in pre-season or do something and go out and sign another natural holding midfield player who can fill that void? It's interesting, that number six role, isn't it, Joe? Because you did the... um... You, you spoke to somebody from Plymouth, didn't you? Was it a Plymouth fan or journalist about Matete? Yeah. And they, they were saying that what actually hindered him was his enthusiasm and perhaps a slight lack of discipline tactically. Mm. And obviously the number six rule, you've got to be disciplined for that. You've so got, that, that would be interesting. Uh, yellow cards, apparently. Yeah, you like steaming in. And he's a very enthusiastic player with a lot of great attributes, but it would be interesting if he could get into the mentality of, of playing that six rule. Mm. And you only get that through experience. I think we saw that with Dan Neal last season when he first went in there. I think it was quite hard for him because he was kind of exposed there as well. He was in there by himself. And when teams were breaking quickly, it was quite difficult for him to stop counterattacks. But he learned that role quite well as the season kind of progressed towards the end of the season and, and was a key player in that role and really did well in that role in the end. So kind of that will impact what Dan Neal's long-term future is because the season before, at the start of this season, when Corey Evans was there, he was more of that player who would get forward a bit more, arrive late in the box, has a good strike on him, could could pop up with a goal, whereas then he was more of the deep line player. And when Equar came into the team, actually, I think that took the pressure off Neil a little bit as the holding midfielder. They could kind of rotate and one would sit, one would go. Um, and that partnership looked like it could work quite well. So it'd be interesting to see if that is kind of the first choice partnership next season or whether Matete or someone like that can come in and, and play their part in the team. But yeah, it's definitely Matete is one of the players. It's quite a big preseason for him, and then mm-hmm. Sunderland have to make a decision what's the best for his development. Really, my prediction is it'll probably head out on loan again. If I'm honest, that that's been good feeling so far. Again, as we as we 
prefaced earlier, Joe, at the beginning of the podcast, there is so much that can happen from from now till till pre-season and the start of the season. Mm. Yeah, difficult one to predict. I think a lot of it comes down to recruitment, doesn't it? Who does Sunderland want to bring in? If they can bring in another holding midfielder, then yes, perhaps that allows Matate to go out on loan. If they can't, if they see Dan Neal as a holding midfielder, then perhaps he stays. I don't know. Um, difficult one to predict, but certainly a big summer ahead for Matete. Yeah, uh, another understandable fascination by all Sunderland fans at the moment, including myself, is the future of Ahmad Diallo. Obviously lit up the Stadium of Light last season. Fantastic player. He's gone back to Manchester United. He was at Wembley for their defeat to, to Manchester City to, to take in the atmosphere. Loads of conflict and reports. Um, we all suspected that Eric, Eric Ten Hag was set to give him a chance in pre-season. That's still probably true. Um, however, there was the story that Ahmad would like to come back to Sunderland under Tony Mowbray for another season in the Championship. The player seemed to confirm that himself with some interesting Instagram comments. Um, but there is a raft of clubs, Joe, that are interested in him. Everton are one. Uh, West Ham are another. Feyenoord, who are the Dutch champions at the moment, have been linked with a move. Uh, so too today have Championship rivals West Brom. Um, I would be very impressed if... Sutherland's transfer committee team, whatever you want to call them, managed to get Ahmad Diallo back at the Stadium of Light next season. Really impressed. Yeah, so would I. Um, I think, again, similar with Clark, um, young player has a very good season in the Championship, excellent season. There's going to be interest, there's going to be links to a lot of clubs, isn't there? I think that's quite inevitable. Um, I would still be surprised to see Ahmad back at Sunderland next season, as much as I've enjoyed watching him this season and, and his ability. I think he showed last season that he shouldn't be playing in the championship. Um, the goals that he scored, the skill that he showed, he should be playing at a, a higher level. And there's a reason why Manu paid, was it £19 million for him a couple of years mm -hmm. ago when he was only only 18. And he refound his confidence this season after that difficult loan spell at Rangers, after that difficult probably spell at Manchester United. And we, we were kind of hearing kind of a, a month ago that the plan was for him to go back to Man United be with be away with them in pre-season in America and, and Eric Tentag would take a closer look at him and then decide what's best for his future. But I just think what we saw last season that he shouldn't really be playing in the championship because he should be playing, whether that's Premier League, whether that's in a European league, he's got so much ability and he's still only 20. So you'd expect him now he's got that confidence back to kick on. If someone had got promoted, then it would have been a different story and you, you could have perhaps seen that happening, whether he went on loan to Sunderland possibly because Manchester United will want to protect their investment as well. I think he's under contract until 2025, but as we said, paid a lot of money for him. So they're not going to sell him on the cheap. So possibly another loan move, but yeah, I'd be surprised if he did come back to Sunderland. Yeah. I, I do think there is a, a slight possibility. Don't get us wrong. I don't want to pour cold water or anything, but for me, I think it's like a, 80% chance he goes somewhere else, 20% chance he, he comes back to Sunderland. It, it, it just doesn't feel like, yeah, it doesn't feel like he should be playing championship football in all honesty, but stranger things have happened. Uh, Joe will talk about Anthony Patterson next, a player whose stock is clearly on the rise. Leicester City with a main club linked with him alongside Wolves. Obviously, Leicester City have now been relegated from the Premier League to the Championship, so you would suspect that that probably ends their interest given the goalkeepers they've got at the club and the level of flux at that club at the moment. Uh, for me, it feels pretty likely that Patterson's going to stay at Sunderland. There was a little bit of talk about 
a new contract and him wanting to stay recently. Obviously, Sutherland's number one goalkeeper. Um, similar to Clark, actually, Sutherland would probably command a fairly large fee given Patterson's age, talent and profile. They don't have to sell. I don't think he needs to move. He's settled. He's a, a local lad. Um, actually, the championship season just gone was his first full season at senior level with one club because obviously the season before he was at Notts County and then came back in towards the back end of the season. I think he's progressing nicely. He'll be aware of that. And I think the club will have a, a good plan for him. Um, I, I see him staying, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. And it's it just shows how quickly kind of people's stock can kind of rise <laughs> yeah, or fall in football. I mean, this time last year, we were looking at it and thinking, do Sunderland need to sign a more experienced goalkeeper mm-hmm. to play in the championship? And Patterson can kind of be the number two and and learn from, they were linked with John Roddy, weren't they, for example? And yeah. um, could he come in and Patterson learn from him? And, and now he's getting talked about being linked with Premier League clubs because he's young, he's English, he's had a good season in the championship. And... Yeah, his stock is very high at the minute, but like Clark, Sunderland are in a good position with Patterson. He signed a new long-term deal last summer until 2026, so still got three years left on his contract. Whether Sunderland look with Patterson similar to what they did with Dan Neal, although he was under contract for a few more years, do they now recognise his kind of status in the squad and improve those terms and give him a slightly longer contract as well? to kind of recognise the good season that he's had. And Sunderland did, did a good job with that with, with Dan Neal. And that showed that Dan Neal had faith in the club, that the club are going in the right direction. And also Sunderland rewarded Dan Neal for his performances. So whether they do that with then Patterson or even Clark or try and offer them fresh terms, that'll be interesting to kind of see over the, the next few months as well. Yeah, we've got a, a few comments on Facebook uh, rolling in. So thank you uh, very much for that, Will tackle Carl's question uh, next. He's asking about Ross Stewart, who was a player who was on our list to talk about today. Um, Joe, my feeling is on this, that he's going to stay this summer, because he's under contract for another year. He's just had two serious injuries in one season, so he needs to get back playing. Um, it sounds like the contract contract talks have, have reached an impasse, to be, to be brutally honest. Um, so it doesn't feel like Stewart's going to leave this this season on a on a permanent deal or this summer rather, because he he needs to get back playing again and he he's he's definitely going to do that at Sunderland. You'd like to think, and I think it's telling actually that the talk around him's quietened down a bit. I think had he been fit, um, had he been fit and the likes of Burnley being promoted, I wouldn't have wouldn't have been surprised to see his his name linked with them or or you know. Uh, a Middlesbrough or something like that again, but I think for me, he just needs to get back playing. I think so, yeah. I think the injury has definitely kind of reduced his stock, hasn't it? I mean, he's you look at the games that he's played in the season, what is it, like 10 goals in 13 mm-hmm. championship games? So, so an excellent record for the games that he's played and we, we saw what a handful he could be when he did play at championship level. The problem, obviously, is that he hasn't done that for a full season and his injury record now is a, is a bit patchy with two long-term injuries this season, although he did play every game in League One last season, thankfully for Sunderland, because they needed him to stay fit when uh, they had a lack of, of striker options. But yeah, I think the injury would probably have put a few teams off. I think definitely he was a player that if you're a bottom half Premier League team, you could take a chance on him and look at him and he's got all the attributes to to kind of excel 
even in at Premier League level. I mean, he's quick. He's he holds the ball up well. He's he's tall. He's strong. Um, good work ethic. You know, really chases the ball down, runs into channels, and he he has got all the qualities that you'd probably look for to try and take a striker and step up to that Premier League level. But the fact now that he's had two long term injuries, he's only just coming back. We hope for pre season um, would probably put a few teams off. So as you, as you said before, there's been kind of no indication that. Sunderland and Stewart are close to agreeing a new contract. It's been like that now for, for a year. Um, so I think this summer we'll probably see him stay. But obviously he's then out of contract at the, at the uh, end of the season, which will, um, which will be a concern. Yeah, Dion Sanderson as well, former Sunderland Lawney. He's been linked with a return loosely to the stadium of light. Alex Neil Stoke City also apparently in for him. Birmingham City... Um, would like him back on loan from Wolves. It does look like he's going to depart Wolves again um, this summer, but this time on a permanent deal. I really like Dion Sanderson. I liked his his stint at Sunderland, although he was unfortunate with injuries when the club were in League One. They did try to get him back, um, but were hampered by the club remaining in League One that season um, under Lee Johnson. Um, what are your thoughts, Joe? For me, I think Sunderland are probably in a good position at centre back and I would I would be surprised if if Sanderson does come. I think the interest being shown in him from elsewhere is a bit stronger than Sutherland's at the moment. But it may be one that develops over time. Um again with the transfer window not actually being open yet. Mm. Yeah, it does sound that perhaps like you said the interest may be stronger from elsewhere than it is at Sunderland in Sanderson. Um Tony Mowbray said a few months back that he does want to strengthen at centre half, even though you'd probably say the first choice pairing is Danny Bart and Dan Ballard, who were excellent when they played together last season. There's been reports and it sounds like Sunderland are seriously interested in Australian centre-back Nectaris Triantis, which is an interesting one because he's not played mm-hmm. as much senior football. He's only had one season as a senior player at Central Coast Mariners. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, but Sunderland definitely want to bring in another centre-half. Um, you'd probably class Luke Nine as well there as a centre-half. Bailey Wright's coming back from his loan spell at Rotherham. Perhaps his future is a little bit uncertain. Ajay Lise can move into centre-half, although he's just had another injury setback. And perhaps he would be seen more as a left-back along with Dennis Serkin. So it is an area that someone I think try, will look to. Try Hume as well. Try Hume as well. Try Hume can go in there, but I think ideally he's in yeah. that right-back position. Um, along with Lyndon Gooch. So that's good competition there. And then maybe Elise and Sirkin at, at left back. But as we saw last season, Sunderland can change the system. They can go to a back three if they have to. Ideally, they'd probably stick with a back four. But centre-back's definitely an area that Sunderland are looking to strengthen. Whether that is Sanderson, I think there'll be a lot of other clubs interested in him. And do Sunderland see him as a realistic target? Or is that someone now that they've, they've kind of moved on from? He was a target in the past. And and now they're looking at options, other options we'll see. But Sanderson obviously knows the club well, was here on loan um, a few seasons ago. So we're probably settling quite quickly, but it's just whether they've moved on to, to other targets. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Bailey right there, Joe, but possibly an interesting summer for him as well. He went on loan to Rotherham uh, in the January, had rotten luck, got concussed in his first game and was out for a while. And then he, he suffered quite a serious injury again, which kept him out. He actually returned to Sunderland for his, his rehab. He's got a year left on his contract. Um, a great guy to have around the place and, and can fill in in the championship, certainly, for Sunderland. The narrative 
when he went to Rotherham, though, was that he wanted to play football. So you would suspect that's still the case. So I would imagine that if he gets back from his injury in time, um, that he'd probably head out again. Yeah, it's possibly looking that way. And I think the fact that, yeah, as you say, he went out on loan to Rotherham to go and play football. How much football is he going to play if he stays at Sunderland when you've got Danny Bart, when you've got Dan Ballard, you've got Luke and I was had a good season in at centre-back when he played there. Sunderland are looking to bring in another player at centre-back. How much football is, is Bailey Wright going to play? And realistically, you might look at it and think he's probably fourth or fifth choice mm-hmm. centre-back, which, um, he's, you know, he was a very good player for Sunderland towards the end of last season when they got promoted from League One. He was actually playing ahead of Danny Bart, if you remember as well, when Danny Bart came in. He then picked up an injury and it was Bailey Wright was kind of the main centre-half in that back three under Alex Neal with Sirkin and Winchester either side of him in a back three. And it wasn't until the end of the season that Danny Bart actually came in and was then part of the, the playoffs. This season, though, that's flipped and Danny Bart's moved ahead of Bailey Wright. And we've seen that that quality that he brings and that leadership that he has. And he's played a lot of championship football kind of in the last few years, Danny Bart. So we've, we've seen that this season and the value that, that he's brought to the team. So that's kind of bumped Bailey Wright down the pecking order. And yeah, as you say, perhaps it'll be best for him to move on with a year left on his contracts. Some of them could perhaps get a fee for him. Um, but a player that's been very important for Sunderland for the last few years, particularly last season when they did get promoted from League One. Indeed, still only 30 years old as well, Bailey, right? Yeah. I always feel like he's he's a lot older, but he's he's not. He's, he's still quite young in football terms, really. Uh, the last incoming deal, potentially, that we can talk about, Joe, um, the recent links to Lewis Semedo, he does seem to to fit this Christian Speakman profile, doesn't he? Young, hungry, up-and-coming, attacking player. Um, it, for me, I don't know anything personally about this specific deal um, at the moment, but it it does feel like something Sunderland under Christian Speakman would pursue. Mm, yeah, it sounds like there could be something in this, and it certainly fits the profile of what Sunderland have been looking for. And can't even remember the last time Sunderland... Was it Ross Stewart, the last time that Sunderland signed a permanent For a striker? fee, yeah. For a fee. For a fee. Yep. I mean, I think Semedo's out of contract, so that would mean he could be potentially a free agent. Um, you think he's only played for Benfica B, but they play in the, the second tier of the Portuguese league, so he's still been playing a bit of, of men's football. Had a quick look at a few of the clips of him, he, where he can drop deep, and then he's kind of playing passes to his teammates, running beyond him, but then he's also kind of getting in the box and, and posing a goal threat. So certainly from the from the clips, he looks like a player with a lot of promise. Obviously, that's, you know, it's, it's great looking good in, in clips, but can you do it consistently mm. over over the course of a game? And can you also adapt to English football and the differences that that, that brings in a different league, stepping up as well from youth football to, to senior football? But certainly looks, looks like a player with a lot of potential. We know that Sunderland need probably at least two strikers to come in alongside Stewart. Um, whether they use the loan market again, probably in some areas they'll have to. And you look at kind of the, the playoff final, I think the Coventry and, and Luton both had three loan players each from like mostly from Premier League clubs. So it just shows how important that is. So how much Sunderland go down the, the route of signing permanent players and signing players on loan as well. They'll have to, to find that balance as well. Yeah. Last one I'll, I'll talk about because we've gone slightly over time. Um, 
we could probably do a second part of this podcast actually in terms of transfer predictions and, and the links here and there and the analysis and who could potentially be leaving, who could potentially be coming. But I think this next one is quite an interesting case for me. Jefferson Bennett, um, still only 18 years old, clearly one for Sunderland's future, Costa Rica international. He has scored this season against Watford and Premier League Fulham in that FA Cup uh, replay, but he, he played only 15 times in the Championship, the majority of which came from the bench. I just wonder if Sunderland do add quality in attacking areas if Jack Clark stays. Um, Bennett could find a good loan in order for him to gain first-team minutes, Joe. He probably needs mm. to start playing at his age. His, his talent is is clear, but he's had that first season settling in at England, and it might just be worth seeing what he can do elsewhere before he comes back and, and challenges. And to be honest, again, that is because of the expectation which has been set at Sunderland now, which they need to be competing towards the top end of the table. And that's not the expectation being set by myself. That's what Christian Speakman alluded to in, in his most recent interview. Um, so you kind of have to assess everything through that sort of vision at the moment. I think potentially, I think that the thing with, with Jewison Bennett with someone like that is if you're sending him out on loan, I think that the culture's almost got to be right because we heard yeah, earlier absolutely. in the season about the challenges that he had. He came to Sunderland didn't really speak the language that much um, and has had to have kind of English lessons kind of as he's been playing and, tra and training at Sunderland. I think Isaac Lahadji is the same. Um, so a very big culture shift moving from Costa Rica to moving to Sunderland. And that's going to have taken some time for him to adapt. You think for a young kind of 18 year old as well, um, there are different challenges that come with that. So perhaps sending him out on loan to a lower league English club maybe wouldn't be the right um kind of route for him maybe it would be um depends how kind of he's how he's settled and um kind of other factors away from the field as well or would it be best loaning him back out to a spanish speaking country yeah. perhaps or something possibly, like that yeah, so possibly. um there are other kind of factors that you've got to kind of bear in mind the fact that he's only been here a year he's still Sunderland's player under a long-term contract would it be best just be keeping him around the place to learn from players um to kind of still in integrate with the squad um because we you know, we've seen there's a good environment at Sunderland and and they're kind of welcome young players in and, and they've got kind of older, more experienced players that can welcome them into the group and and good kind of personalities to have around the place. So would it be better keeping them in at Sunderland or would it be better loaning them out maybe to, to yeah, as I say, a Spanish-speaking team mm. perhaps? But um, yeah, it's definitely one to consider. No, you're bang on with that actually because I hadn't considered that stability could could possibly be best for for a young player in terms of their development it is tough being one place one minute and then another place the next i think if Sutherland did loan him out though you're right in what you say about the environment would definitely have to be right they've got to play the right type of football mm -hmm. as well i think there's no yeah. point loaning bennett out to to a team that are going to play kick and rush football not that i have anything against that it's just Sutherland don't tend to play that style so yeah good points made um we may return uh with part two with us actually because there's loads of players we could we could talk about yeah. and we'll um we'll keep you up to date actually over the transfer window on the Sunderland Echo website. Uh, Joe's got a, a canny interview coming up soon. I won't say who with, but uh, keep your eyes out uh, for that. And there's loads of content over at the Sunderland Echo website as usual. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the Raw Podcast.